listening to 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT, where we unpack local current affairs from an informed and curious perspective. It's Monday the 29th of February. I'm Becca Posterino, Executive Producer of the program. Today we delve into some of the key issues driving the ACT election, homelessness and housing affordability. I spoke with Susan Hallier, Director of ACT Community of Social Service, ACTCOS, to explore from a policy and social services perspective some of the extensive gaps in the ACT social services sector related to homelessness and housing affordability. Susan has been instrumental in creating the website My Vote for Housing, intended to place housing affordability at the heart of the ACT election campaign. I also spoke with Chris Stockman, Director of Uniting Care Canberra City. Chris leads the Early Morning Centre program supporting at-risk and homeless people in the ACT. Her frontline experience draws attention to some disturbing issues, but also highlights the positive contribution this organisation makes to the ACT community. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, Director of ACT Community Social Service ACTCOS, Susan Hallier, on 2XXFM 98.3, Subject ACT. I'm Becca Posterino. This morning we're interviewing Director of ACT Council of Social Service, or ACTCOS, Susan Hallier. Good morning, Becca. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. So what are some of the key issues of homelessness in the ACT? I think the critical issue people need to understand is that homelessness is growing in the ACT and the time people spend in assistance services is lengthening Mm -hmm. and the circumstances in which they come into homelessness services and go out are worsening in terms of their access to housing. Why is that the case in your view? I think the bottom line is average rents are relatively high in the ACT For the average household that has, on average, compared to the rest of the country, a reasonable income, that's okay. People can cope with that. But for people who are in families earning less than $80,000 a year gross and... As a combined income. Yeah, as a combined income. And single-person households with less than $40,000 a year, they really struggle to afford the rental prices in Canberra. And in the past, there's been a public housing system that's been relatively easy to access but over the last 15 to 20 years that's not as easy to access anymore so there's a growing gap between the prices that people can afford and the houses that are on offer or the apartments on offer in our private market. So why is it so hard to get into public housing compared to other periods in history? I think we've got public housing has over, you know, early on in Canberra, it was a large proportion of the housing that was provided and people with jobs were offered affordable rental in a public house as part of coming to Canberra. Well, there's a long time. It's an incentive. Since, yeah. <laughs> so it's a it's long time. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. That's a long time <laughs> since. It's like Havelock House started out that way. I know exactly. it was all higher, sort of up the, you know, um, the ranking of public servants, but there was... Yeah, yeah, that incentive. Yeah, and I think um, over time that has reduced. Certainly in the ACT we need to recognise that we have a relatively high provision of public housing compared to other jurisdictions. So ours is still at around 9% of our total housing market, which is high compared to someone like New South Wales where it's more like 5%. So what does that mean? What it means is that even though we have a 
relatively high provision of public housing, even though we have a relatively high income, there are significant amounts of people that are locked out of affordable housing, either in the rental market or in the full purchase market, which means that long term, people's financial circumstances become more unstable. And if there's a change in their life circumstances, they might separate, they might leave a violent relationship, they might get reduced hours in their job, um, they might get sick and need to have six months out of work. Those circumstances can push people into deep financial crisis around their housing. Yes. And that's the misconception of homelessness is that it's limited to the stereotypical man on the bench with a brown paper bag as I spoke with Chris Stockman this morning there is that image which is is exactly that a stereotype yeah. we're closer to homelessness all of us than we really understand absolutely it's certainly some of the national research and the anecdotal research from our financial counseling and emergency assistance services show us that many um, people are only two paychecks away from not being able to fulfill their financial commitments and they don't have savings that can back them up the national household expenditure data that the abs pulled together shows that many households don't have someone they can call on in an emergency to get $2,000 together if something unexpected happens. So that puts people in a circumstances mm-hmm. where they may end up losing their housing. There's two things. One of the things we've really focused on understanding better is the whole issue of supply and what kind of supply would make a difference. Certainly there's been a lot of work on more affordable housing to purchase and that's ended up being development of lots of apartment blocks. Mm. Has um, increased that stock They're not suitable for households of three or four people. So there's a continuing gap there in the supply. But also there's a real problem with if the lowest cost rental is 50 or 60% of your income, you can never save for a deposit. What people don't understand who do maybe own and are paying off their houses, that that is how close people can be to homelessness. Yeah, and certainly we know from research on women leaving violence that women who stayed at their home in their home yes. I mean that's been part of a lot of the changes is allowing women to stay at home but leave violence yes um, people women who've stayed in their home 12 months later are homeless because on a single income they, they couldn't afford. keep that roof over theirs and their children's heads what can we do about this as a community what do you think needs to be done well our first approach is to say don't be shy about this many people are having these conversations in their families many people are very worried about their the younger people the next generation coming through and what their opportunities will be to secure housing long term and to be able to get into the purchase market but also people are worried about seeing more homeless people sleeping rough in the city there's been a lot of dialogue in the public debate about that and what we're saying is don't keep these conversations in your own families and in your with your friends have these conversations with politicians and with people who can make decisions about how we fix housing supply in this city. So this is a perfect segue into your vote. What is that about? So we've established the My Vote for Housing campaign, which has been funded through donations from... Beg your pardon, My Vote for Housing. (laughs) Yeah, My Vote for Housing, hashtag My Vote for Housing and (laughs) www.myvoteforhousing.com. We've established that platform using resources from our membership and from people who care about this and want Mm -hmm. to raise the profile of housing and homelessness in the ACT election. And we're inviting people to join that website and take a pledge that they're going to 
consider housing and homelessness when they vote in the ACT election. It's a totally non-partisan campaign. It aims to build community access to knowledge and facts around the ACT issues around housing and homelessness that can kind of complement people's lived experience or their concerns about their neighbours and their families and to provide people with tools and resources that will allow them to have conversations with candidates. So if you meet a candidate at the shops, here's like the 30-second engagement. If you are at a, at a community meeting and you've got a couple of minutes to talk with them, here's how you might want to Pitch. raise the issues. Mm-hmm. And then if, you want, if you've got a half-hour meeting with your local candidate, then here's some facts and figures and some support and resources that might help you talk this through because we believe that this is one of those issues that are bubbling under the surface. We've had members of the Legislative Assembly say, yeah, this comes up in meetings that I have Mm -hmm. or in engagements when they're at the local shops or at the local school or doing their community dialogue. And so we just want it to get to that next notch and it needs people who are voters taking it to that next level. Who would be the prime candidate in the current government to pitch this to or to direct this conversation and these concerns to? Well, certainly in our budget submission this year, we've said it's actually a whole of government issue. So it's always been the realm of ACT Housing and the Housing Minister to... Uh, to progress these, to understand these issues and to make changes in legislation and in programs. But we say, we see that housing unaffordability and homelessness have an impact across all portfolios. Sure. And we're looking for all, the whole cabinet to take this on. So people involved in planning, people Mm -hmm. involved in land release, ministers that are responsible for housing and health and education interventions. Mm -hmm. They all need to take an interest in this. We, one of our, our budget asks has been that the all portfolios who aren't already spending at least one percent of their budget on housing and reducing homelessness ought to allocate that because we know that it'll have savings long term over need for health services about um, reduced education attainment and reduced economic participation so one percent would you be asking for more ideally Look, we think that that's a very reasonable ask. Of course, people always say, you know, that you can never have enough. But certainly we know that if all ACT government directorates put in at least 1%, it would add $27 million to increase our effort. So we know that would go a long way towards providing enough support for people who access services so people don't need to be turned away, mm-hmm. but also starting to put some money into addressing supply gaps. So it would take the strain off other services because they would have that affordability, they'd have a roof over their head. Yeah, and certainly we know that there's increased uh, demand for emergency room services in the hospital system. We know that people have more um, issues around violence, that they're not able to leave violence, young people are not able to leave difficult circumstances with their families. Yes. If they can't get a roof over their head, if they do leave and they end up homeless, they're often spending a long time in homelessness services waiting for an affordable house to move into or they churn out and churn back in again when it all goes to hell. And that puts their life on hold. So study opportunities, work opportunities, when you're just in that survival mode, you don't really advance on those day-to-day No. And we know from other things like if you you also got a concurrent drug and alcohol problem, if you've got issues around mental illness, it just compounds all of those and puts you further and further behind your peers. Why do you think homelessness should be front and centre? But why is it Mm. so close to your heart? 
I've got a long history as a social worker working in in service delivery but also in policy Mm. and through 25 years of working on social issues, housing has been the enduring challenge and the enduring foundation for change Mm. in people's lives. So good housing, stable housing, housing that's not overcrowded, housing Mm. that doesn't take up too much of your income so you've got nothing left to be moving forward is absolutely the foundation for transformation and security and just know that from working in the mental health system from working with people with living with a disability frontline absolutely and i know that from my social policy work that when Mm. you can't get housing right it it has these ripple effects Mm. how important is moving on from your social work which is obviously where you became aware of how important housing was for the fundamental livelihood of every individual how does social policy work from obviously that advancement from acknowledging the problem to actually actioning some sort of resolution yes and certainly my individual experience isn't enough for it to get onto the at cost agenda it got on the at cost agenda because when we spoke with our members when we spoke with people who provide services people who work in services people who access services they said this would make the biggest difference in their lives if we could sort this out it's also it's an area of uh, lots of social policy is a split between commonwealth and territory responsibilities Mm -hmm. and then in other places commonwealth territory and local government responsibilities certainly in the act and in social policy housing policy the provision of public housing the assistance provided to people who are homeless and then those broader assistances around disability mental health issues drug and alcohol issues domestic violence they are act government funded services it's core business for a territory government So not only is it critical to people and to community and to economic prosperity, the Territory Government has a number of the levers that can be pulled to deal with it. And certainly we don't have the problems between a separation between local government around planning and and building regulations. Now we don't have local councils, which means that we ought to be able to coordinate well across the portfolios to deal with this as an issue. Lots of MLAs see this as a fundamental issue, but there's a debate about what's the best levers to pull. Mm -hmm. So what we wanted to do with the My Vote for Housing campaign is to start to say, here's what the community think are the Mm -hmm. levers that need pulling. This is what the community would support you taking action on. And that's why we want to get more people involved who are voters who can then election campaigns are around what the people want yes. and we we think we've got a clear guidance for decision makers around what will make the most difference mm. and we hope to get people behind that that can affirm to politicians that they would support action on these issues thank you so much for coming and educating me this is a whole new world to try and delve into and i think having exposed this as an issue and bring it to the forefront for people to engage in in this way through the website will create that discourse. And yeah, look, it's an you. absolute pleasure and thank you for taking the time to explore this further and certainly really hope your listeners want to go to www.myvoteforhousing.com.au and be involved in a way that works for you and is true to your values and the future you want to see for this city. You're listening to Subject ACT, 2XX 98.3 FM. I'm Becca Postorino, Executive Producer of Subject ACT, exploring local current affairs. That was Susan Hallier of ACT Community Social Service Act Cos, bringing to light some of the pressing issues of policy related to homelessness and housing affordability. 
Coming up, Chris Stockman, Director of Uniting Care Canberra City, to share her experiences in the Early Morning Centre program supporting at-risk and homeless people in the ACT community. You're listening to Subject ACT, 98.3 FM, 2XX. This morning we're interviewing Chris Stockman. She is the Uniting Care Canberra City Director and their key program is the Early Morning Centre. You might know it on Northbourne Avenue. Welcome to the program, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Becca. What is the program and what is involved? The program itself has two parts. The first is a free breakfast, Monday to Friday, 7.30 to 8.30. It's quite a a nice, substantial, relatively healthy breakfast (laughs) just to make a great start to the day. The second part is a like a community hub or a drop-in centre from 9 till 11.30. So that's where we would provide support, referral, community, place to be, just somewhere to sit. This service is provided to homeless people? It's for people who are homeless or those at risk of homelessness. So the reality is we don't turn anybody away. Any one of us could be homeless given the right circumstance. Is homelessness an issue in Canberra? Well, I certainly believe so. I see it. I've certainly seen what appears to be an increase in the years that I've been in at the Early Morning Centre. Mm-hmm. How uh, many years have you been at the Early Morning Centre? Eight. Eight? <laughs> yeah. So is that when it was created, eight years no, ago? No, it uh, had its 10th birthday last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, ten and a half years it's been operating. It started smaller and I guess the referral part has grown over that time. So who provides funding for this service primarily? Um, key money comes from the ACT government, from the Community Services Directorate, probably about 70% of our funding and the rest is through different donations. We're trying to increase that part, hard work. So you spoke about the referrals yep. part of the program. Why is that grown and what does that involve? I think it's grown as we've become more aware of how to have really good conversations with people and to recognise just through a chat what might be an issue and ask questions so the the referral could be as simple as a referral to a doctor or to Centrelink or to a a specific community service organisation that may be able to take a person on as a case management case and in-depth support for them. Mm -hmm. It really is quite individual to the person. So you have the ability to refer within the staff that involved in the program? Yeah. Staff-wise, there's only me and two part-time people. What brought you into this role? <laughs> public service. I'm 35-odd years, Commonwealth Public Service. I resigned, scared the life out of me, but I resigned, took a year off, started doing a couple of different volunteering things and enjoyed it and saw a, a part-time job advertised that sounded like something I would love to do and I've gone from there in the same role. Did your experience in the public service equip you for what you're doing now or was it a complete um, partly. shift? Commonwealth public services can be fairly far removed from you know the, the frontline person, but I was always involved in equity and diversity. That was my role. So about the value of the individual and the fact that every individual has value mm. and is important in their own right. So I think it was, it was that focus that helped. But this is very different because it is frontline. How is it to be frontline? Uh, it's pretty amazing. You you meet awesome people. They're um, resilient, resourceful, um, kind, bit loud, caring, <laughs> bit loud, <laughs> which is their normal. I find them just quite inspirational. Just I couldn't do what a lot of our guests do. 
guests is just language. Some people okay. use consumer. Some use whatever. Guest is a nice way. Guest is to nice. Describe. People's nice. People. Uh-huh. I like people. People. <laughs> <laughs> but guest is what we've chosen. Who are these people? Our demographic is very much around that civic in a north area, so it'll be different to what it might be in Tuggeranong or Belconnen. It's people who may have had family breakdowns. I think that's uh, a fairly big one. A lot of our guests are pretty far removed from their families. Not that they choose to be, but that's the way it is. A lot of people might have job losses. And once you've lost a job, if you're living fairly close to a budget anyway, it doesn't take very long before you can't pay for your rent or, or whatever. Very long-term unemployed are in our guest group. Also, perhaps maybe up to 50% of people on disability support pensions for whatever reason, mm-hmm. all sorts of complex Diverse. reasons. Mm. So who are the most vulnerable people in relation to homelessness in Canberra? It's interesting, probably young people. We don't see a lot of young people because there are other services that are more relevant. What other services? Um, there's a child, youth and family services gateway through local government that supports people, but there is the, the Mary Meads and the Bernardos. Ted Knoff's Foundation do amazing work. One of their programs, um, a youth mentoring program, works out of our, our space in the afternoon mm-hmm. sometimes and a range of others that they work with as well. A lot of places have youth workers just because who wants to see a 12-year-old mm. homeless? You know, it's just it, there's something so inherently wrong with that. And that happens in Canberra? It happens everywhere. But in Canberra it happens? And certainly. Again, the early morning centre don't necessarily see those people, but I see the... I, I talk to people who do, or families or people living in cars with children. So those 12-year-old children, extremely vulnerable, Yeah, are they living alone or with family or a combination? I think it's probably a combination of both, and I am only speaking second-hand sure. about that one, um, but I do think it's a combination of both. And they're living in cars? Um, quite often a parent may have children and have a car, and that's mm. actually where they're living. And there's more than one child sometimes in some situations situations. that's a pretty confronting thing to actually hear Mm. I know you don't have direct experience but that's the reality yeah I think it is what needs to change why is something like that happening that particular something I think domestic violence is at the root of a lot of that not all but Mm -hmm. a lot otherwise I'm I suspect family breakdown generally and with that family breakdown there could come that you know financial drop just means all of a sudden you've got nothing and that's not just mothers which is a traditional view of the world it's both yeah it could be any any reason but I think DV is quite quite high as an influencing factor yeah what else is contributing to the homelessness crisis lack of affordable accommodation is massive in Canberra as I'm sure it is everywhere but it's huge here it means if someone's in a refuge there are no exit points from that refuge so you can't throw someone out to to have a space for the other person it's just blocked up we really don't have affordable accommodation and I don't don't know how to get around that without building some or having some available why is accommodation so unaffordable what what has pushed it to that level? Has it always been that way for some? I think for some it probably has. I may not have been aware of it, I think is what the issue is for me. But I do think it's probably always been a bit 
that way. The, obviously, the last five years or so with financial crisis and changes to that environment have meant developers have built things that aren't entry level. You're taking your bottom bottom price of housing is, is so increased that it's just not accessible. And are the government aware of these things, in your view? Yes, very aware. Is enough being done? I, I sort of think there's never enough, but they they are doing quite a lot. I guess I, I could see them doing different things, but that's only from my little, you know, my very little view of the mm. world. They are doing quite a lot in the public housing arena in terms of renewal, but that's a slow process. Mm. And when we talk renewal, some of that's actually housing already housed people, so move, moving the people from the Northbourne Flats, the Alawabega, Karong Flats, to other public housing. So that's not freeing up housing for new people on waiting lists. That's existing people. But they've also done like common ground in Gungahlin, which is a fairly amazing structure. It's mm. a, it's quite a successful model for there, mm. based on an international model. So the Northbourne public housing, that is permanent? Will that remain as is? No. Does that need to be upgraded? They're all going. Many of them are going. That's part of the longer-term renewal? renewal. So will that land be made available to other investors or Apparently. will that be u- utilised for public housing again? No, th- my understanding is that it will be made available to investors with the proviso that 10% is available for public housing tenants or social housing. So rather than big blocks of public housing, it's a salt and pepper approach, which is the local government's preferred model. So the salt and pepper approach is having, as you say, a percentage yeah, dotted here and dotted there. for public housing, but the predominant would be open to those that can afford in those yes. prime locations, which is Northbourne And it Avenue. is prime, isn't it? Yeah. So for those people that have been living in public housing on Northbourne, how will that impact their lives from your view to be moved from Northbourne to question mark? Hmm. What will that do to their lifestyles and their communities? Certainly people have talked to us about how their community is in this area and it would be really difficult for them to be anywhere else. Their doctors, their chemists, their everything they access is in the city. Other people would be very happy to start again in a different area. I have talked to people who are quite distressed about the the likelihood of having to move. Relocation. And for the, people who are vulnerable and maybe suffering mm. mental health issues or domestic violence issues, relocation is another... Very stressful. ...stressful element to their lives. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It has it's to be fact. done very well. And it is a fact. how, in your view, could that be done well? It's They have started doing it already. So, for example, on Northbourne Avenue, there's Owen Flats... They're empty now, so people have been moved out to various areas there. There was a lot of communication beforehand and a lot of support. I know of a couple of our guests who were living there who now live in Casey. Okay. Whilst they love where they're living, it's a little harder for them to access their community. They're still trying to, but it is harder, so they haven't had haven't been able to reconnect to a different community in Gungahlin so yet. So issues... Might. So issues of isolation, is that Mm. the prime issue? I think it might be, just any change process anyway, but I think it's the isolation and the newness because I believe that most places will be offered either in Gungahlin or Tuggeranong perhaps. 
so a lot further out. There won't be replacements in the city area. And the services that they've been accessing here, are there replacement services for them in those areas? There will be some replacement services, but something like the early morning centre, we're the only one. So that um, will be hard for that, them that'll be to difficult. access. Yeah. yeah, that's quite a significant change yeah. to their lives. So Havelock House Managing Director Neil Skipper made mm. the point that unlikely life events, and you spoke of this mm. very briefly before, exposes us all to homelessness or could potentially expose us all to homelessness. So what are some of the misunderstandings of homelessness? The stereotypical picture that you see on on TV of the man on the bench with the brown paper bag and the bottle. No, I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but that as soon as you say homeless, that's what people that assume. Image. Whereas it can be, you know, like I said, young people couch surfing. That's still homeless. They don't have anywhere that they can call home. It's um, the cars. impermanence of yeah, their lifestyle. Absolutely. People who are holding down a job. We we know of some people who are who've held down jobs, not well paid jobs, but a job, and still actually don't have a home. So they might access somewhere like our service, have a shower and breakfast, and then go and start the day. Is providing more resources enough, or do we need to address root causes of homelessness? Mm. We touched upon this before with domestic yeah. violence. And I think it is about root cause. You can throw money at lots of things or throw resources at lots of things, but it doesn't address whatever is behind it. For example, if I talk to any of our guests individually long enough and they trust me enough, almost invariably there's some sort of trauma. It seems like we've got a traumatised society. It's, I think, yeah, it's a do. recurring theme that I hear mm, often yeah. with my guests. In, in various different issues, yeah. there's an element of trauma that we're all trying to overcome mm. in some way. Some are touched by it more deeply than others, yep. but it is this trauma that seems to be inhibiting us from yeah. realising our full potential. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that that needs to be addressed really early on. How do we do it? I don't know. That was Chris Stockman, Director of Uniting Care Canberra City, sharing her experiences leading the team of the Early Morning Centre program on Northbourne Avenue, supporting at-risk and homeless people within the ACT community. Next week, I speak to Managing Director Neil Skipper of Havelock Housing Association to explore community housing in the ACT. Tomorrow, Doug Dobing speaks about Snowy Hydro South Care with Canberra journalist and cancer survivor Chris Kimball. You've been listening to local current affairs program Subject ACT on 2XXFM 98.3. I'm Becca Posterino, executive producer of the program. Coming up, Community Radio Network's All the Best. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day.